Hello, and welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about beautiful twins with perfect size six figures and matching gold lavalier necklaces so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm not Kate. And for this episode, we read Double Love by Francine Pascal. Joining us to discuss the first Sweet Valley High novel is Christy Chadwick, librarian and self-described Enid in high school. Hello, everyone. Hi, Christy. Welcome back. Hi, Christy. Yay! No Sasquatches in this one. So that's yeah. going to say, we, didn't, we had Bigfoots last time. Oh, we did. This would have been and proof Santa of Bigfoots. <laughs> I feel confident that in one of the Sweet Valley novels, they encountered Bigfoot. Yes! Why didn't we read that like, one? Like, there's just no! so many of them, and they, I feel, I'm going to Google it right now. Okay. Sweet Valley <laughs> High Bigfoot. Reading. In all the mystery series, they went looking for Bigfoot, I bet. So Sweet Valley High, of course, very long-running series with um, many spin-offs. The Sweet Valley Kids, um, Sweet Valley Twins, or they were junior high. I, d- I don't know why. I do know why, I guess, because of like the extreme drama on every level just constantly escalating. Um, there's also a TV show... All of that. I am I'm distracted trying to both summarize Sweet Valley to you and Google Sweet Valley High Big, Bigfoot. Yeah, and we, for, we, for, we forgot to address in further detail that uh, Kate is not here. Kate, has... Kate is dead and was replaced by a Becca, a conspiracy theory friend. <laughs> also something that, that might this, happen in Sweet Valley High. Date this episode for you. <laughs> that meme is hot. <laughs> I have theories. And then <laughs> conspiracies in them. Excellent. But are there Bigfoots? Of course, there always has to be Bigfoot. Great. Good. Then I'm in. Okay. <laughs> right. None of the top hits seem to imply that there specifically was a Sweet Valley book about Bigfoots, but mm, maybe they just never found him and he's just always been lurking in the valley. Maybe Sounds right. Bigfoot's yeah, in totally. every Sweet Valley book. Oh my god, yes. It's like the... Um, little creature books where there's like what is it like a ladybug hidden in every page oh yeah yeah it's just like that there was a sasquatch we just didn't realize it you got to go back and look for him it's the where's waldo of sweet valley high (laughs) (laughs) you you heard it here first (laughs) and only here (laughs) yeah yeah pretty much only here so yeah so this is the very first sweet valley book uh, I, when I was a kid, when I was like too young, I read a bunch of these. I was probably like seven or eight and I just had gotten a box of them from my older cousins and I was a very indiscriminate reader and I would read like whatever. So I don't even know if I liked these. I just, they were there and I read them and I don't think I understood about half of the stuff, but it also definitely gave me some weird ideas about what high school would be like. Um, one of the parties would be available for you to join. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, like I have a very specific How memory. Many bars would go to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a very specific memory of like when my friend first got like AOL, and we would go into AOL chat rooms and just kind of low key catfish, and we would pretend <laughs> we were in high school, and we would pretend we were in a sorority because of Sweet Valley High. <laughs> Well, whoops. <laughs> whoops. 
maybe not successful. But given the nature of it, we probably, like, the people we were catfishing were probably also, like, nine-year-olds, so it probably all checked out. I was almost a teenager, not a teenager like them, because it was 1983 (laughs) when this book came out, so I was actually 12. But as an indiscriminate reader, I was reading these along with My Sweet Audrina by V.C. Andrews. So, you know, (laughs) it's, I had no comparison for what the real world actually was. Um, But I do remember loving it back then because, you know, I wasn't a jaded queer feminist librarian back then, but, you know, I was concerned about every ounce of fact. Oh, hell, I'm still concerned about every ounce of fact sometimes. (laughs) Um, How the jocks were all amazing and, you know, I was definitely not a sports person, but I was amazing on the yearbook and literary committees because that was my jam. Were you the eyes and ears of your school? Um, no, I was friends with everybody and basically not part of any group at all. So Mm. that was pretty fun. Cool. So rereading this as an adult, I think it really just kind of validates all of my opinions of like, don't worry about it if your kids are reading stuff that seems too advanced because like they won't get it or, you know, they'll, they'll have other influences in their life to balance it out because I'm definitely like a feminist normal adult now I guess normal adult is what I'll label myself (laughs) we'll put an asterisk by that and move on I identify as (laughs) I identify as normal (laughs) reasonably well adjusted certainly way better adjusted to living an adult life than Jessica Wakefield oh yeah uh I mean, this book is is bad. Like, it's bad, and the characters are bad, and the author should feel bad. <laughs> I didn't read these books as a kid. I read one once. I remember, I think I bought it because I was going away to summer camp for a week, and I didn't have any other books to read, and I was trying to find another series I could care about that I could read just, you know, 100 books from, like, Babysitter's Club or whatever. And I was probably, like, 10 or 11, and I like I I don't remember which one I read, and I usually can for any book that I have read one series of as a kid I can go through and look at the titles and be like oh yeah it was that one, this I it just didn't nothing mattered in these books I didn't care about these perfect blonde, Californian rich girls no which I don't, <laughs> I have as a you know fat poor brunette girl i i just there was nothing there for me in these books it's probably why i also didn't like dawn and the babysitters okay you're just very anti me uh and it just yeah i didn't care for them at all as a kid and never read anything beyond that one that i only read because it was the only book i had with me in the woods in new hampshire for a week do you remember reading... anything that happened in it no i don't at all mm. at all that's the thing it's it's nothing it's gone <laughs> fair yeah it was it was nonsense from start to finish (laughs) and yeah i i don't understand these books as an adult any more than i did as a kid apparently yeah um i i guess for anybody who is not familiar with these i mean they're about the wakefield twins who are very beautiful and rich and california girls elizabeth is a good girl and jessica's a bad girl that's their only real defining characteristics yes (laughs) Oh, wait, no, there's one other, but we'll get into that oh, later. Oh, well, yes. 
Um, and and it's just, you know, it's the soap opera of Sweet Valley High. And, like, things are always happening at Sweet Valley High. Like, this one is actually sort of, like, many of these teens die in this in this series. Okay. When you said, like, it's a soap opera, I was like, yes, it's very much a soap opera. Probably people murder each other. Probably somebody gets replaced by a doppelganger at some point, I would imagine. That I mean, and, and this one, kind of, even, already. I mean, well, <laughs> twins, you're automatically going to have swapsies. That's just... That's a, the trope you have to fall hard on no matter what. Yeah. One of the ones that I read as a kid was, like, Elizabeth gets straight up kidnapped. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, by, uh, oh, God, I haven't read this or thought about it in years, and I'm sure it is extremely problematic. She's kidnapped by, like, a mentally disabled man who she, I think, volunteers with him or something and is, you know, a friendly, nice girl, and he misconstrues it and kidnaps her one of the ones that i read that that i owned that was like in my box that i got from my cousins there's a girl who wants to play football and it's like very shocking uh and you know i i remember this i think is a struggle for a lot of like nerdy girls where it's like Oh, I'm not really a tomboy. Like, I don't want to play sports, but I don't want to do girl things like Jessica. So I guess I like this football playing girl. I don't know. Good for her. Yay. (laughs) That's the feminism of Sweet Valley. (laughs) Yeah, well, feminism aside and any of that, I don't think, I mean, this is the early 1980s. Do we even remember? I don't think political correctness was actually a thing back then. I don't even think it was defined. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like Becca and I are both a little bit younger than you. We literally don't remember. Like I, I, we, we weren't alive. Yeah. <laughs> so you you could tell us whatever. <laughs> Talk to you girls and sit in my rocking chair and tell yeah. you a few things. <laughs> I mean, as a concept, I think it did. I think it always did as a concept of like, don't be a dick. It just wasn't necessarily named. No, but. This was the kind of book that we looked at at the 80s. You know, okay, I'm putting V.C. Andrews aside, but <laughs> Lurleen, you know, Lurleen McDaniel was the contemporary at that time, too. Mm. And talking about extremes, you know, every everyone died in those books, too. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, it was ill. Everybody fell in love. That was what that's what how Nicholas Sparks was inspired, I believe. That adds so, up. Yeah. And they're still around, too, in some places, which kind of amazes me. So, you know, these are the books that we can look back on and say, really? I was that naive to think that these were actually good things to read. <laughs> right. Like, it didn't come up in this one. I'm pretty sure in other ones, Elizabeth used the term, like, women's lib, and I think Elizabeth is, like, nominally into women's lib. Well, even in that intro that's at the beginning of the ebook, there's, like, an intro that Francine Pascal wrote about, you know, how, you know, the, the digital books will allow, like, new generation of girls to experience these books and for older girls who read them in their youth to re-experience them and revisit these times. But she specifically in- evokes uh, the phrase girl power. And that was, the like, how this was the main idea behind these books was girl power. Yes. And these girls were going to, their actions were going to drive the book. Yet she made one of these girls a complete doormat. So I don't understand necessarily what she was striving for. 
Yeah, one of them is a doormat and the other one's a sociopath. She's a sociopath. Oh, totally. I was astonished when I, I was mean, reading these books. From halfway through the first page of the first chapter, you're just kind yep. of like jaw to the floor. Yeah, I was. Want I was. To know how... I mean, yes, teens do have an essence of being self-absorbed, but wow. That's the thing. Like, I would allow it, like, because I love, like, I, and also that was the other thing in the intro where she was like, oh, there would be, you know, a good one and a bad one, exemplifying the good and bad in all of us. And it's like, well, that's the thing, though, is that everybody is a mix of good and bad. No, Elizabeth Wakefield is a perfect angel from heaven. And Jessica's psychotic. (laughs) But, like, (laughs) that's the thing. That's why I found, that's why I always found these books so hard to relate to in any way because it's like that's they're they're not real people i don't see me or my friends or anyone in any of them because we are people who do both good and bad things that's how the world is yeah but not how sweet valley is i I don't unacceptable (laughs) so i guess you know that's our own personal relationships to the sweet valley concept explored (laughs) let's let's dive in and explore the plot of this uh, you know, Double Love, the very first one, which I'm not sure I ever read it, it but I I think um, in the way that Babysitter's Club and a lot of these series do, most books start out with a chapter explaining who the twins are and usually some notable things that have happened in the past. So I, I knew that Jessica had, like, tried to date Todd or whatever, but... So, spoiler, Jessica tries to date Todd in this book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shocking, but true. Yeah, the first chapter of this book sets you up. Jessica is describing her. She's looking in the mirror, and she's like, I'm a hideous monster. And then the narrator's like, but actually, both the twins were the most beautiful girls in the world. They had perfect size six figures and blonde hair and, like, blah, 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 blah. And then the phone rings and Todd Wilkins calls, who is Elizabeth's boyfriend for, like, 700 years. Like, that's that's very steady throughout the books, except this is the first one, so they're just getting started. So he calls for Elizabeth, and Jessica's furious that anyone would want to talk to Elizabeth instead of Jessica. So she tells him that Elizabeth's not available, even though she is. She's in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that just kicks us right off into it. Like, they're both beautiful, but Elizabeth is a witch, and Todd is a boring person who would, you know, why was he even calling? Like, they're getting ready for school. Like, what boy is calling you at, like, 7 a.m. or whatever? Well, I think, wasn't he probably going to, like, wish her luck with the sorority? <laughs> oh, you're right, you're right. Yes. <laughs> you know, sorority, high school sorority. Oh, yes, let's talk sororities in high school. <laughs> I mean, they scared me in college. I cannot imagine being uh, that young of a person wanting to do a sorority, but I guess that they really existed. Isn't that correct? Well, I read Wikipedia. did some deep dive research. Yeah, I read Wikipedia, category colon, high school fraternities and sororities. There are a few that exist. Uh, it seems like it's mostly a Southern thing. And a lot of them are not actually officially recognized by the school. It seems like it's more like like Girl Scouts, but a sorority that's not really recognized by your school and it's like your extracurricular. So it's Girl Scouts for rich people. I, I think, yes. In at least, maybe. Rich Southern white people, yeah. All right. Whereas here, there was, like, literally an all-school assembly that where they, the principal, like, announced 
which girls got into the sorority. Yes. Um, their sorority is Pi Beta Alpha, and it's the most exclusive sorority in the school, implying that there's other ones. <laughs> and th- this is a recurring thing as well. They all like their sorority usually plays in the books, and sometimes it's like they have to plan a sorority event or like whatever. But in this one, they're just just getting initiated. Good for I them. Just up i was waiting for it to be like the focal point of this book like the first three chapters that's all we really hear about is waiting to hear if they're getting into the sorority and aren't you excited about the sorority elizabeth it's going to be the best day of our lives what are we going to wear when we're announced we're in the sorority and then the sorority does not matter for the rest of the book and i was like i'm very confused yeah no it doesn't really matter for this book it matters for future books i guess and as much as anything matters (laughs) yeah so, yeah, so they get into a sorority. Um, another thing that's established pretty early is that, like, Elizabeth and Todd kind of have a mutual attraction. And Jessica, because she is a sociopath, cannot handle this and keeps trying to sabotage it. Um, yes. Another yeah. thing. Uh, so that's one of the relationship dramas that's set up. Another one is that the twins are convinced that their father is cheating on their mother with this female lawyer that he works with. And they talk about, it's so strange, especially Jessica is very obsessed with the fact that everyone in their family is good looking. And so she's like, like, thank God. Thank Thank God. God. (laughs) Like, yeah, her mom is, you know, her mom is still good looking. Her dad is still good looking. Their older brother, Steven, comes home from college and he's still hot. Like, she's so happy that her brother is hot and like all her friends have crushes on her brother because he's so hot. And she's trying to hook her hot brother up with, like, some of her friends. But he's being, like, weird and secretive. And it turns... Right. And And how old is Steven at this point? Because he's in college. I think it's, like, his first year of... I want to say he's, like, 18, maybe, and they're, like, 16. Because I was thinking, like, he was a little bit older than that. Because then I'm, like, going... Their age division seems so strange because he's talking, you know, she tries to, Jessica tries to set him up with Lila and he's like, oh, she's too young. She's kind of young for me. And I'm like going, how old are you exactly? I I think it's more just like, you know, because he's in college. Exactly. That split happens where you're like, I'm in college and I don't want to date a high school girl. Which is totally totally reasonable. Yeah. So that, those things are happening. They're being very nosy about what their brother's up to and what their father's up to. In a way, especially from Jessica, that just seems a little, well, like a little VC Andrews, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely. Because none of them actually bother to ask questions. I mean, no. they they, no. they they do, but they do it in such a way with Steven that he's just like, I'm not talking to you at all. Look, on all levels, every conflict in this book is built on, like, a lack of communication. Because even this whole thing with Todd and Elizabeth, like, never just saying to each other, oh, no, wait, I like you and my sister's been lying to you. Oh, your sister's been lying to me and I like you. Like, and it's entirely orchestrated by Elizabeth keeping them apart. Or Or Jessica keeping them apart. Right. See, we can't even tell the difference. never let them talk. Right, and I can kind of get it from Elizabeth because her whole thing is she's, like, so self-sacrificing and she's like, well, if, Je- if this is what Jessica wants, like, I won't interfere. But it seems like Todd could have Todd could have cleared this up very quickly. But he didn't. Also, it seems like Elizabeth is 16 and she should know by now that her sister's a sociopath. 
<laughs> I I think yeah. Elizabeth must have some kind of Stockholm syndrome. She does. She does straight yeah, up. That's probably it. It's not a healthy I relationship. Know. I was like, she's in an abusive relationship with her sister. She doesn't. She makes excuses for her. She doesn't recognize what's happening. And she's I just bet like, that funny. Jessica browbeat her in the womb before they were born. <laughs> and she actually was born this way. And that's why Elizabeth has the birthmark. Right. Or the, the beauty <laughs> mark. <laughs> also, we didn't establish, just because we made a reference to it, I think, in the introduction, uh, that they also have their matching lavalier necklaces. It's which is a key defining trait of them that's mentioned in every book. Uh, Christ- and when I went to look up what the fuck is a lavalier, you I know, I still an auto field lavalier, Sweet Valley High. So this is a question that has plagued us for the ages. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was like, Thank you know, there's like lavalier microphones, and yeah. like I know lavalier from like the 1920s kind of necklace. Is that what they're wearing? I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when I was a kid, I just mentally translated it to locket because I knew what a locket was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I did too, and I'm just like, okay, so it must be some sort of special locket or whatever. <laughs> Jessica fully has a locket with a photo of herself in it. I was gonna say, what they have in their lockets? Elizabeth has like her and her sister. Jessica just has two pictures of herself. <laughs> And, and like to the casual observer, they're like, "Oh, it's your sister," and just because, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, "No, this is my left side, and this is my right side." <laughs> so yeah, that that's a key thing, and they have their matching necklaces. <laughs> that no one knows what'll have you. And their little shared car, their little spider. Yes. Spider. Yes, it is a spider. Spider Fiat. Fiat, yeah. yeah, I'm like going, oh, that's so cute. But of course, you know. And wait a minute, they're 16. They're they're not. They're just past their 16th birthday, and I'm like going, okay, so they already have driver's licenses, and <laughs> everybody has a car. Yeah, everyone has a car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's just that sweet suburb life, though. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's hella rich in the valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, at my high school, pretty much everyone got a car when they turned 16. They just weren't, like, a convertible. Like, when I turned 16, I got, like, a 94 Geo Prism. And it was great. But, (laughs) but, you know, it wasn't, like, a cool convertible. Yeah. I, I, when I got my driver's license, of course, you know, no car for me. But I didn't live in the Bougie Valley. Right. But... I got a car when I was in my soft, no, freshman year of college, but I couldn't have it on campus, so it stayed at my parents' house, but my sister was still in high school, so guess who got to drive it for two years to and from school before I actually basically got my hands on it? Sisters. (laughs) (laughs) So so you can relate to Elizabeth. (laughs) I can totally relate to Elizabeth. Except for the doormat part. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yes. so Jessica's scheming because she she doesn't even really like she likes Todd in an abstract like he's an attractive basketball player. He she, would she be. She likes him because he likes Elizabeth. Yeah. She she wants she just wants what she can't have. There's no other motive behind it described in these books. Well, he 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 is the basketball team's hottest star, not yeah, the I've, captain. 
but he is the hottest star right now. And of course, she's on the cheerleading team. So naturally, is this like co-captain or something of the cheerleading suite. Yes, yeah, she's like the co-captain of cheerleading <laughs> until she murders the other co-captain to become full captain. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so I think she's interested in Todd both so that Elizabeth can have him, and then also as sort of a generic status symbol of like acceptable boyfriend material. But he is still not interested in her, despite all her machinations. So then this older bad boy, Rick Andover, who used to go to their school and either graduated or dropped out. out. He's like only 17, I think. I think he's still 17. I was wondering exactly how old he was because I heard... Nothing about... I swear to God they said he was 17. And I I was like, what the fuck? I mean, I I don't dispute (laughs) it. He just dropped out. He just dropped out, and he's 17, and he's drunk all the time, and has his own bad boy car. Yes. Oh, it does. He's only 17. Yep, only 17. Yep. If you know what I mean. He dropped and out he looked, six months ago. And he looked like a junior Clint Eastwood. Ooh. So yep. let's talk about dating ourselves right now. To- <laughs> <laughs> so... He comes by because he knows where she lives, because he makes it a point to learn where all the hot girls live. And instead of being like, that's horrifying, I'm calling the police, Jessica's like, ooh, tell me more. And then he's like, I'll pick you up at eight. And, she, and she's like, oh, I didn't say yes. And he's like, I just, like, go for what I want, and I'll, you know, I'll be back at eight. And she's like... And she's flattered by Yeah, this. she's into thing, it. That's what happens, is that she, like, is again trying to convince Todd to ask her out to the date. She keeps being like, oh, I have no date to the dance. And Elizabeth just has so many dates, Todd. Oh, right. So many dates. And Todd's like, don't worry, I'm sure someone will ask you. Bye. And she's so pissed that she goes out to get street harassed. Yes, She's yes. like, that always makes me feel better about myself. She decided she would walk home from school. Whenever she was out walking, she never failed to attract a good deal of attention from passing cars. The more the better, she thought, swinging her hips a little as she set off. And that's when Redanover sees her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah, and then was like, yes, we're definitely going on this date. And she's like, into it. <laughs> yeah. This drunk 17-year-old. Yes. <laughs> My favorite kind. Yeah, and then he takes her to Kelly's Roadhouse, which is, I imagine it as basically like the Roadhouse from the movie Roadhouse. Oh, totally. (laughs) (laughs) But Patrick Swayze is not there. (laughs) And it's like, it's just like filthy and disgusting in a bar. And she's like, I've never been to a bar before because I'm 16. A bar that, yeah, no one comments on these two, like, I, like, 16-year-olds look 16. They look, they don't even look 16, they look 12 once you're over the age of, like, 25. Yeah. Oh, I think it's so just that it's so shitty they don't care. I guess. It's oh, not yeah. that they don't, it's not that they think they're 21, they just don't care. I just imagine that, like, if, if two 16-year-olds came into my local watering hole, I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> well. <laughs> I would at least be annoyed. <laughs> Right. Well, everyone is just like, ooh, like a hot 16-year-old. Hell yeah. Because Jessica is like, oh, I don't like this. I want to go home. And Rick's like, no, you're not. Like, we're here. And then he says the grossest shit, which I don't even want to, like, it's one of our dramatic readings, but uh, he's, it's some, like, real gross, like, rape apologist business happening at Kelly's. disgusting. Yep. Totally disgusting. (laughs) And she's like, well, I'll just call a cab and leave. And she gets up to go, like, 
I don't know, like for a payphone because it's 1983. And then this <laughs> this other guy at the bar is like, oh, is he bothering you? And she's like, yes. And he's like, well, I'll bother you instead. And she's like, ugh. And then those two bros, <laughs> those two bros get in a fight. And the, the cops show up. The cops. And this time the bartender is going to press charges. I'm like, so he's been in there before, obviously. Right. <laughs> yeah. Rick Andover is such a bad boy. He's like gotten kicked out of Kelly's previously. But yeah, now the cops are getting involved, and uh, he's gonna give, you know, he can he can tell Jessica's innocent because she's so beautiful, and she just wants to ride home, and so uh, he he asks her. And this is so weird too. This is such a like book uh, twist. Like nobody would do this. He's like, "What's your name?" And she's like, "Well, it's Wakefield." Like, who gives your last name first? Right? Yeah. But she's like, it's Wakefield. And he's like, oh, yeah, my niece, my niece Emily's friends with Elizabeth Wakefield. Great, let's go. And then, and then he drops her off and says something like, stay out of trouble, Elizabeth. And she's like, oh, I'm not. Bye. And she doesn't really, like, correct the situation. And it doesn't, it wouldn't really matter because he didn't actually, like, press charges or do anything. But he called her Elizabeth when he left, and it turned out their nosy neighbor overheard. Mm-hmm. Her sorority sister. <laughs> yes. And so instantly, word is out that, like, oh my gosh, Elizabeth got arrested, and Elizabeth was at the bar, and blah, blah, blah. And this, he- all- and it even became a bigger scandal than it even actually was, which is, yeah, it was, like, pretty bad. But also, she was kind of, like... I don't know, almost, almost raped, got out of there. Let's not blame the victim. But again, it's it's 1983, so let's, I guess. (laughs) And the wildest thing is everyone's like, oh my gosh, I just can't believe Elizabeth would do that. Elizabeth's so nice. I can't believe Elizabeth would do that. so out of character for Elizabeth. And not one single goddamn person is like, are we sure it wasn't Jessica, though? Like, because Jessica (laughs) looks just like her. Just like her. identical. No. I mean, really, obviously, you know, who would question the fact that, I mean, it was, maybe it was the fact that it was a police officer that called her. Yeah, the cops are always right. Yes. But I mean, only, only one person overheard this and nobody's like, are you sure you heard it right? Like, are you, (laughs) are you sure? (laughs) And I guess it doesn't help that Elizabeth is just so like, meh. Like, yeah. she doesn't make a strong case for herself. Like, she does nothing, basically, except cry. No. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jessica is like, well, like, Jessica gives the most, like, sociopath speech. She's like, well, like, it's, people will forget about it. Like, it's already been such a, a shocker. Like, if I come out and say it's me, then it'll just bring it up all over again, and it'll just be, like, worse. And, like, you know, your true friends won't care anyway, right, Elizabeth? Your true friends? And she's like, I guess so. And then... <laughs> I mean, and her, her best friend is even already questioning it, too, you know? So, and like, yeah, like immediately, immediately, <laughs> immediately, Elizabeth becomes, like, the person you can't talk to in this school because she is so bad. Like, her best friend, Enid her boyfriend is like, I can't believe you would be talking to her. And she's like, she's my best friend. What are you talking about? Yeah, but what happened? It's, it's insane. (laughs) 
Yeah, because it's not like Enid is like, oh, I'm sure it wasn't her. I'm sure it was Jessica. Enid is like, well, we all make mistakes. And like, I, you know, she's my best friend. And even though she went to a bar with Rick Andover, I'm still her friend. Like, Enid, get it together. (laughs) Enid has everybody get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Enid does have her own dark secret that will be revealed. (laughs) But. So maybe that actually is why. She's like, well, I have a dark secret. Now Elizabeth has a dark secret, too. And we'll be best friends forever. But so anyway, so Elizabeth's like, well, the only thing is I just I don't want Todd to think badly of me. And Jessica's like, oh, okay, of course, I'll make sure I'll tell Todd the truth. And Elizabeth's like, oh, thank you so much. I totally trust that you will actually do this. But it's not even that she she didn't even tell Elizabeth that oh yeah actually it was me she keeps putting it off with other stories because you know her the whole thing about their dad's cheating on their mom and Steven's dating a druggie and (laughs) oh right yeah so they find out that we had alluded to Steven's drama when Elizabeth finally gets the gumption to like confront her and be like let's talk about what happened with Frick Andover Jessica just starts bawling because that's Jessica's defense mechanism is to just cry alligator tears whenever anyone tries to call her on her shit and she's <laughs> yes. like but we have to talk about Stephen who's ruining the family yes and Stephen is ruining the family because they think that he's dating I don't even know I guess maybe the sorority girl told that's, them or something it's the Martin family yeah. yeah I don't even know how Jessica found this out I'm sure one of her sorority sisters told her on their white princess phones he's dating Betsy Martin who's a drug addict and they confront and him about it because they're like so worried <laughs> and he's like no I'm dating Trisha Martin and they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and That's it's like, fine, she's a very good girl. <laughs> yeah, and it's like so immediately resolved. <laughs> like, oh, Trisha, oh, great, Trisha's great. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and except that then Trisha breaks up with him because she thinks he's being a snob about her family, which he totally was. Like, he, they didn't want to go out in public because of, you know, the Martin family had such a bad reputation in Sweet Valley. And then he tells them that, like, oh, it's all over with Trisha anyway, like, blah, blah, blah. And Elizabeth's like, well, you should just go and tell her, like, what you told me. Like, go tell her your feelings. And he's like, okay. And he does that. And immediately she's like, oh, great. I forgive you. Perfect. Sounds good. Like, so quickly this is resolved. And that's how it is with everything in this book except for, like, the Todd dilemma. Where, like, they introduced, like, the shit with the parents Mm. so suddenly where I was like I feel like this should happen book three maybe what the fuck we're like oh my gosh we think dad's having an affair with Mariana West from the law firm oh no because they're both so beautiful yeah because yeah exactly like this is the problem with having a hot dad okay sometimes he's too hot obviously Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you know there's like one other scene where is it Elizabeth follows Oh, no, Steve, Steve, because sometimes, you know, this book isn't even in the twins POV and it's amazing. I'm so confused by it. Steve ends up following their dad in the car at one point and then sees that she he goes to some other house where he goes inside with Mariana West for a very long time. And even Steve's like, oh, they're having an affair. Yep. <laughs> and then just suddenly at the end, there's a big family dinner where they're like, your dad's going to make an announcement. Her mom is saying your dad's gonna make an announcement and they're just like they're gonna announce it's a divorce and she's like mariana west is you know partner in the law firm now and this is like that was the whole it was three scenes 
Yes, yeah. and this seems like it's news to Mariana as well. Like, they've chosen right. to give her this business promotion at a family dinner where, like, her, I guess he's her boss, maybe, or, like, part, I don't know, like, her co-workers' know. children are there. Like, what the fuck, Wakefields? They're so weird. Oh, and I also love the fact of the meal that they were, that she made. Yes. You know? It's very, it's very fancy 80s food. Yes, it's also, very fancy 80s a- food. They make such a point of saying that, like, both their parents work, and both their parents work very hard, and I love that their poor mom has to, like, work all day wherever she works. She's an interior decorator. Interior decorator, and then she still comes home and makes this fabulous four-course meal yeah. for her father, and for the father and Mariana West. Well, he is a lawyer, you know. I guess, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's the fifties and the eighties. Yeah, (laughs) I'm looking for pinafores and stuff. Oh, there is one other small plot to this that involves Mariana West, which is the main two rich families of the town, the Pat, the Patmans, and the Fowlers. Somehow, like the the lease went up on the football field, and the Patmans wanted to buy it to put a garden on it, and the Fowlers wanted to build a factory on it. And then they had to go to court. The kids want to play football. And on the it. kids want to play <laughs> yeah. football. And so, so it went to court. And because Mariana West is like such a good lawyer, the school got to keep the football field. Everyone's <laughs> happy, even Elizabeth. Yeah, who got to cover the? Oh, that was the other thing we didn't really talk about. She's a reporter for the school paper, and yes. she got to cover this trial. But she is also, you know, Sweet Valley High's gossip girl. Yes. Yes. Um, called it's called the Eyes and Ears column, and it's supposed to yes. be a secret who writes it. And here's like she's getting all this gossip, but she's never getting. Nobody's telling her shit about. Oh, actually, no, she did get some piece of information about Jessica and Todd, but nobody's giving her the right information. Right. <laughs> so that's cool. She'd probably get more information if she spent a little less time crying. Mm-hmm. It's it's something she does a lot of. Well, now see, this is totally. I think very reasonable as a 16 year old oh no i'm just crying (laughs) but it is it's never like again when like reading the introduction that was like i want this the girls drive the action whenever elizabeth gets any kind of piece of information she just shuts down and cries about it and Mm -hmm. goes okay (laughs) she doesn't do anything she takes no action (laughs) (laughs) and like jessica takes all sorts of action whereas she's like whose life can i ruin today (laughs) right Girl power. She is like the biggest narcissist I have ever seen. <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, she starts the book looking in the mirror, so we already know how much it is. But then, <laughs> then you know, the whole climax of this story is, of course. Well, then they go to the dance, right? Yes, they go to the dance. And Todd, go goes, to the dance. Todd goes with Jessica. But Jessica is increasingly furious because even though Todd asked her to go, he still keeps looking at Elizabeth. Oh, Fucking Todd. Like, they look the same. Right. <laughs> and, Elizabeth. and Elizabeth goes with Winston. Oh, yeah, the nerd. Nerdy goofball. Oh, and Winston is like, oh, you know, it's hard to be me because, like, I just want to date hot girls, but... Everyone sets me up with girls who have a great personality, which means they weigh 250 pounds. Literal quote from the book. Yeah. 
I really cared about these books a lot as a kid. I definitely the fat them. shaming in these books it's, is incredible. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's nonstop. <laughs> Uh, one of uh, when I was researching high school sororities, if they were real, it, it led me to the Wikipedia page for their fake sorority, and it talked about like one of the bullet points on the Wikipedia page is like uh, Jessica severely hazed an obese girl, and then she lost weight, and they wanted her to join the sorority, and she said no. <laughs> so that's good for her. Yeah, like good for her, but really, yeah, I mean, that trope. I mean, of even course. today, that trope still exists, which is horrible. But it's one of those things where you're like, wow. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I read that one. Everybody has to be pretty. Yeah, I read that one, too. <sighs> it's fine. We're all fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're not emotionally so dance by these books at all. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. After the dance, uh, like, Todd walks Jessica to the front door and, like, gives her, like, a little peck on the cheek. And she's so mad that he didn't try to kiss or do anything more that she decides she's going to tell everyone that he tried to, like, date rape her. Yep. <laughs> Which is exactly what you should do in that situation. And, of course, Elizabeth don't really believes, like, doesn't really like Elizabeth you. believes it because it's her sister. Yep. It's her sister. Her sister would not lie. But I mean, also, like, you know, if my sister came to me and said I was almost date raped, even if she was a sociopath, I would believe her. Right. Also. Lie about that. Fucking Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, my God. Uh, So, yeah. So, Elizabeth writes off Todd completely. And, like, whenever he does try, I think he does try to talk to her at some point. But yeah, then she's and like, she's like, I don't want to talk to you because of what you did to my sister. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, right. And he, because he's like, I forgive you. And she's like, you forgive me? What the fuck? Because <laughs> he still thinks she's the one who went to the bar. Which, by the way, does she even need to be forgiven by Todd for that? Like, whatever. 16 year old boys. <laughs> Any age boys. Yes. It's true. <laughs> and then, so they have this like angry miscommunication. And then all of a sudden, this book turns into the worst Fast and the Furious movie. It is totally. I know that this is the inspiration for the whole franchise. Yes. Because. This scene. Yeah. Because then fucking Rick Andover comes and carjacks the twins. Carjacks them straight (laughs) up. Also, I was just like, thought it was really funny that, you know, girl power, the girls drive the story. I'm like, they literally get carjacked. Yeah, and it's literally because Jessica stalls out the car as, like, manual, and she can't start it again. So that gives Rick the opportunity to hop in and carjack them. Yep. And so he speeds off and takes them... So, speedy chase. Todd follows them. Yeah, Todd follows them. He's driving them to Kelly's bar for more... Which, I don't even know, like, if he wants to, like, date rape them, why doesn't, like... Why is he going to the bar? I mean, no one at the bar seemed to care, to be honest. That's true. But you would think you would want somewhere with, like, fewer witnesses. But I guess... sense, though. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he goes to the bar. Todd follows and, like, heroically saves the day. And Jessica says something like, oh, I never... I, I never thought I'd go back to Kelly's. And he, like, puts on his dumbass Nancy Drew hat, and he's like, wait a minute, Jessica, <laughs> did you say back to Kelly's? I thought you'd never been here before. And she's like, no, I told you I didn't. He's like, but I thought you were just trying to protect Elizabeth. I didn't think you really meant it. And she's like, oh, no, yeah, I, I did. I, I went to Kelly's before. It was me, not Elizabeth. And Todd's like, oh, this, all right, I love Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> not Jessica. <laughs> It's so stupid. (laughs) 
and just even some of the stuff because you know he's just like he's like well yeah she did you know Liz is like didn't she tell you and he's like well yeah but oh how could I have been such an idiot I'm like going because (laughs) and then Elizabeth immediately is thinking you know she's like everybody thought it was me especially when somebody has a funny way of telling the truth um she flat out lied (laughs) (laughs) she flat out lied and well I mean actually you know a lot of what is in this book is total she can whirl around the truth faster than anybody I have ever ever seen Okay, All she does is lie. Either she's lying to dodge something, or she just lies sometimes for the sake of lying. So after this falls out, uh, Jessica's like, well, like, Liz, you know if we'd have gotten around, I would have gotten kicked off the cheerleading team, and you know how important that is to me. And I just, I knew, because your reputation's so good, like, you wouldn't get kicked off the newspaper, which is your thing, so... You know, I, I just, just yeah, it would have hurt me more. And I knew if, and Liz is like, oh, well, you know, I, I wouldn't want you kicked off of cheerleading. And Jessica's like, and I knew if I'd asked you, you would have helped me. So I just like did it. And anyway, didn't it all work out? Right. And Liz is like, yeah, you're right. And it's, it's so like classic, like gaslighting, abusive, it's malarkey. Amazing. It's great. Um, And then, oh, and. Uh, By the way, Enid, who's Elizabeth's nerdy best friend, has a boyfriend who, I forget his name, but he is, like, hardcore judging Elizabeth, and he's like, I would never date a girl who did anything like that. And then we have, like, one paragraph of Enid's point of view being, like, Enid's heart sank because she knew she could never tell him her dark secret. And then this book ends with something about, like, Enid's secret was about to come to light, dot, dot, dot. Well, we also, the last chapter is, like, just or the, the penultimate chapter ends with like Elizabeth saying, you know, well Jessica was she was gonna get her revenge on Jessica. So you're like, oh good, she's gonna get some fucking comeuppance. And there's some like I don't know what this is. Is, is there's a concert like a band is playing? Is it a dance? I don't know what this is. Pepper, <laughs> I have no like high school. There's just, just there's a band. High school's <laughs> happening. High school stuff is happening, <laughs> but it's fun high school stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> Elizabeth like spills her. Dr- Elizabeth wears this outfit. That oh, is Elizabeth. Yeah, you're right. I think it's a pep. It was rally. a football rally. That's what they it were was doing. A football rally. Okay. Yes. Elizabeth wears this outfit that was hers to begin with, but she lent it to Jessica. And Jessica wore it for the sorority announcement. And then she spills her glass on Jessica and is like, oh, no, your outfit is ruined. You'll have to wear this blue outfit of mine that you really love. And she's like, oh, my God, really? So they're kind of dressed like each other, I guess. Yeah. And then they go, they both go with Todd because Todd's like, wink, wink, I'm in on whatever this pig plan is. Oh, yeah. And the thing with the eyes and ears of whatever high school, the the reporter gossip girl thing, is whenever they find out who it is, everybody throws them in the pool. And it usually happens by the end of the year. And if it hasn't happened, like the teacher advisor to the newspaper kind of leaks it because he likes seeing kids thrown in a pool. I don't know. Bullying is in. It's the 80s. Yeah, totally. And so... Elizabeth, looking like Jessica, goes over to, like, the lead singer of the band and pretends to be Jessica and is like, I know who the Eisner is. It's my sister, Elizabeth. She's right over there with Todd. And he's like, hell yeah, we'll get everyone to throw in the pool. And that's exactly what happens. And that is Jessica's comeuppance for being a sociopath for this entire book and seemingly her entire life. Yes. That's it. I was like, 
Something That's has all. to happen. There has to be consequences. But she got she got wet in a pool in somebody else's outfit. And in she doesn't in even own Southern a cell phone California, it was probably like a really nice day to be in the pool. Yeah, it was probably great. <laughs> yeah, <Of course. laughs> I was so annoyed by this. <laughs> no, it's fully annoying. Um, I just can't believe. You know, I've tried to forget about high school, and this was just a very well. I wasn't this rich, obviously, wow. <laughs> nor am I now, sadly, <laughs> but it was one of those things where it's just like, oh, yeah, it's like high school all over again, except. <laughs> yes. yes. So there's there's one more thing I want to just drop in. It's a few years ago, but came out called Sweet Valley Confidential. That was yes, set, I was reading about this. Yes. yes. It was set 10 years in the future. Um, Roxanne Gay wrote a review of it that's... <laughs> fabulous it's included in bad feminist it's also on its own on the internet and we'll link to it you should a thousand percent read it but in the in the 10 years future todd and jessica get married what i don't understand and i i mean i read that book when it came out because i was like oh that sounds like fun like dip back into sweet valley and it's just like off i mean i I don't know what i was expecting because the entire series is off the the rails at all times it's exactly the same but such a yep. twist, though. God, and Jessica. <laughs> um, oh, also, multiple people, multiple people wrote in to say, we should ask Roxanne Gay to be on the podcast to talk about Sweet Valley High. And <laughs> I did, in fact, send an email to her publicist, because I was like, I might as well ask, but I didn't think that she would. And uh, actually, like, I didn't definitively hear back no, I heard back nothing. But, like, Roxanne Gay is fucking busy. She's going to do our podcast. <laughs> but it's, it would have been nice. Oh, yeah. If she had, obviously, we would love to talk to Roxanne Gay. But you know what? We also love talking to Christy. Oh, thank you. So great. So I, I just wanted to address that. <laughs> I don't think Roxanne Gay would have been as here for our, all our Bigfoot discussions in the beginning. So. Probably not. Yeah, you know. No. So I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, one thing Roxanne Gay, well, she does point out in her essay, one thing we didn't especially mention, is that for Southern California... Everybody here is white. It is not a diverse place, except for occasionally they will introduce token diversity. Like they had a deaf girl who came in to do a book about deaf girl stuff. And then she got like a cochlear (laughs) implant and then wasn't deaf anymore. Um, Yeah, everything, all of the quote unquote problems are always solved. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the fat girl loses all the weight yeah. and the deaf girl gets a cochlear implant and okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they, it would be hard to do racism because you can't just be like, and then they solved racism. So we fixed it. <laughs> uh, so they Which fixed they it by just not. Have, I'm sure. I, yeah. I mean, I can't speak definitively because there's so many of these books. There probably is one where like the black kid moves to Sweet Valley, but just don't know. Oh, I won. Maybe. Yeah, and then mo- probably then the problem is solved by them moving away from Sweet Valley. <laughs> right. Uh, not great. Not great. Amazing. <laughs> Simultaneously not great and amazing, the Sweet Valley story. <laughs> yep. Um. All right. Does anybody have anything else they want to say, generally, broadly speaking, before we move into our dramatic readings? Nothing, but I think if you want to hate read a series, I think this is a great one because the books are short. I mean, back 127 pages. We used to read short books. There used to be short books in existence. I mean, I think about what we read now. An average novel is at least 
300 pages and I'm kind of going, wow, yeah. yet our spans are worse. So <laughs> That's true. It, it did go by pretty quickly. Yes. At least we had that. Okay. So our first dramatic reading is from the very beginning and this copy appears over and over in the same at the start of every book in this, this case is your chapter two of the babysitter's club yes <laughs> you know who you're dealing with in this specific book immediately preceding it jessica is like dissing herself in the mirror and then we hop in where elizabeth and the narrator are both correcting her and i will be the omniscient narrator Becca. I mean, okay, hang on. But Elizabeth doesn't even correct her. Elizabeth goes, well, great. You're like, oh, I'm so ugly and terrible and fat. We look alike, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she has to say bitch, please. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like she is, like, gently sarcastic. Like, I think Elizabeth doesn't even really use sarcasm, but she's, like, gently no. joking to correct her. <laughs> yes. But then she, then she says, so if you look so horrible and I'm your identical twin sister, what does that make me? Miss America? I'm like... I don't think that made sense, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway. Yeah. That's where we're at. Uh, Becca will be Jessica and Christy will be Todd. Both girls had the same shoulder length, sun streaked blonde hair, the same sparkling blue green eyes, the same perfect skin. Even the tiny dimple in Elizabeth's left cheek was duplicated in her younger sisters younger by four minutes. Both girls were five feet six on the button and generously hashtag blessed with spectacular all-American good looks. Both wore exactly the same size clothes, but they refused to dress alike except for the exquisite identical lavaliers they wore on gold chains around their necks. The lavaliers had been presents from their parents on their 16th birthday. The only way you could tell them apart was by the tiny beauty mark on Elizabeth's right shoulder. Their friends might notice that Elizabeth wore a watch and that Jessica did not. Time was never a problem for Jessica. She always felt that things didn't really start until she got there. And if she was late, let him wait. Otherwise, there was virtually no way to distinguish between the beautiful Wakefield twins. But beneath the skin, there was a world of difference. A wicked gleam of mischief lurked in the aquamarine depths of Jessica's eyes, while Elizabeth's reflected only sincerity. When the phone in the hallway shrilled, Jessica leaped to answer it, assuming, of course, that it was for her. Jessica? Liz? Jessica, of course. And who's this? Oh, hi, Jessica. This is Todd. Todd Wilkins. Is Liz home? He wanted her sister? Jessica's eyes narrowed dangerously. One of the cutest boys at Sweet Valley High, and he was calling to talk to Elizabeth? Todd Wilkins was currently the basketball team's hottest star, and Jessica had been admiring him for some time now as she practiced her cheers in the gym alongside him. The idea that he would prefer Elizabeth to her infuriated Jessica, though she was extra careful to conceal this from him. So... Great. And then it goes on to her, like, <laughs> refusing to let him talk to Elizabeth. Because <laughs> she's just a cool, normal teenager having a normal, non-sociopathic response to all of this. Yep. Yep. It's great. It's good stuff. All right. Everyone in this book is hashtag normal. Yes. <laughs> all right. And now we're going to take you to the world of Kelly's Roadhouse, where Becca will narrate... 
Christy will be Jessica, and I'll be town bad boy Rick Andover. <laughs> I always like when you have to read the dudes. You have your dude voice. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's dude time. Your slimy dude voice. <laughs> every dude in every book you read on this podcast is slimy. <laughs> Hashtag yes, all men. <laughs> <laughs> Rick ordered a couple of Boilermakers, something Jessica had never heard of before. She was relieved to see that it was only beer until the waitress placed two shot glasses of whiskey beside their foaming mugs. She didn't even look at Jessica, much less ask for her ID, despite the sign hanging over the bar, Minors will not be served under penalty of law. With a growing sense of unease, Jessica sipped her beer while Rick tipped back his glass of whiskey as though it were water. He laughed huskily. Not exactly prom time, huh? His hand found her knee under the table and gave it a squeeze. Jessica winced, but forced a smile anyway. It's... it's fun. So are you. Rick's hand moved up an inch or two on her leg. I knew the minute I laid eyes on you that you wouldn't let me down, little Jessica. Jessica shifted her posture, trying to maneuver herself out of his reach, but Rick only squeezed tighter. She giggled nervously in an attempt to cover up her unease. And I should have known you were the kind of guy who couldn't keep his hands to himself. All tease and no tickle, huh? Didn't your mommy tell you not to put anything in the window that you don't sell in the store? His fingers groped higher, and she noticed he was beginning to slur his words. Well, I've seen the merchandise, baby, and I'm sold. This time, there was no pretense in the way Jessica pulled away from Rick. Suddenly, he didn't seem so fascinating anymore, just dangerous. His eyes looked flat and black like a snake's. His breath, as he leaned over to kiss her, reeked of alcohol. Rick, don't. Jessica turned her head so that his lips found only her cheek, leaving a wet imprint, like the rings of moisture left on the table by their glasses. What's the matter? You want to go somewhere quieter? Listen, I know a place down the- No! Rick, take me home. I, I told my parents I'd be back in an hour. I really can't stay. So call and tell him you'll be late, unless you're afraid of turning into a pumpkin. Rick, please. She wasn't in the habit of begging, but she was getting desperate. A few more drinks and Rick would be in no condition to drive her home. Then she'd really be stuck. Forget it, baby. He gulped the last of his beer and finished off her untouched shot of whiskey. I came here for a good time, and I'm not leaving. But what about me? What am I supposed to do? Rick hooked a tattooed arm around her neck, dragging her into another one of his moist kisses. Do I have to spell it out for you? Relax, baby. You might even have a good time yourself. Jessica slithered adroitly from his drunken clinch and stood up. Sorry, Rick, but I'd have a better time with an octopus. Thanks for nothing. I think I'll just call a cab. Wait a minute. You're not going anywhere. A good date for 17-year-olds. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he has a tattoo and he's he only 17. <laughs> he probably got it in prison. <laughs> he's, so a, he's a very bad boy. He is. He's the baddest of boys. Boy. All right. So our last dramatic reading is... Uh, Jessica's shitty confession to Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot reaction to it. (laughs) And Christy will be the narrator. I'll be Jessica and Becca will be Todd. 
Oh, Todd, I just can't stand it, what people are saying about Elizabeth. I love her more than anything in the world. I can't let her be treated like this. Jessica looked up into Todd's concerned face, into his wonderfully tender brown eyes, and her heart fluttered. Todd, it could have happened to anyone. It's not fair. Why, it could have happened to me. Come on, Jessica, it didn't just happen. She knew what she was doing. Todd, I can't let this go on. Elizabeth is my sister. I love her. Todd, it wasn't Elizabeth at Kelly's. It wasn't? No, Todd, it was me. What? Yes, me. My sister is not going to be blamed for this thing. It's not fair. Jessica was totally amazed at what happened next. Todd Wilkins stared deeply into her eyes for a long moment, then slowly shook his head as though in wonder. I've never heard anything so noble. What? You take the blame for your sister? Jessica, I don't think I've ever known how truly special you are until this moment. But Todd... Todd pulled her close, holding her tightly in his strong arms for what seemed an eternity. Then he gently kissed her. He didn't even hear the whistles and yells from the students who saw the whole thing, right in the center of the campus in the middle of the afternoon. Jessica sat there, stunned. Never in her wildest dreams had she imagined that telling the truth could be so rewarding. Jessica, you're wonderful. Todd, you're the greatest guy I've ever met. Do you know that? Listen, I'm taking you to the pie-up dance. What? That is, if you want to go with me. Want to? Oh, Todd, I want it more than anything in the world. Todd, you dingle bat. Oh my god. <laughs> it could happen even to me. <laughs> and, like, I mean, it didn't just happen. Like, come on. She. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them all. <laughs> I mean, even when she tells the truth, it still works in her favor. Isn't it amazing? Yep. She is hashtag blessed. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some would you rathers. Would you rather be Elizabeth or be Jessica? Which I feel like this was sort of before, you know, Harry Potter sorting or whatever is like, are you an Elizabeth or are you a Jessica? Those are like the two types of people you can be. <laughs> And as a child, I was definitely, like, Elizabeth aspiring. I was like, oh, she writes in the newspaper. That's cool. But, I don't know. It seems like it would be so shitty to be Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be Mariana West. Yeah, I know. Mariana's got it going on. I have to say, yes, I have to say of the two, I mean, if it was down to just those two choices, I'm going to have to be Elizabeth because I already know at the age of 16 that Jessica has sold her soul to the devil. And I do not want to see what's going to happen when he comes to take his prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, being Jessica, like part of it, like it's kind of fun. You do whatever you want without facing any real consequences. But the thing is, she never seems to derive joy from it. Like, it's just always escalating. She needs more and more to be happy. <laughs> and Elizabeth is, is happy with the crumbs. The chickens. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I think, like the definition of high school. Yeah. <laughs> <Be happy with laughs> <yourself>. <laughs> yeah. I, when I did read this one book, I think the thing I read on the back was there was like, oh, Jessica's the bad girl who does this. And Jessica works at the newspaper. And I was like, well, she writes. So I guess I'll be, uh, I guess Elizabeth is somebody I could care about. Uh, no, she wasn't. But yeah, yeah. that's the closest I got. Yeah. All right, I still so... rather be Mariana West. Well, beautiful, great lawyer, partner in the firm. Yeah, but you have, my... and you get to work with that hot Wakefield dad. He's so hot! <laughs> right? I'm not a hot dad, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the good news about being Elizabeth and Jessica is either way, you have a really hot family, so. That's yeah, true. Either way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be Elizabeth, and then I will also ask, would you rather have your father cheat on your mother or have an ugly father? Ugly dad, thanks. <laughs> yeah, totally ugly dad because I'm not Jessica Wakefield. <laughs> I mean, but if your dad's ugly, though... <laughs> it would ruin your life. I'm just saying literally a phrase she's used more than once about <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'll take an ugly dad, but then I'm going to get rich enough to pay for my dad to have plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and I'm sure that if you were in Sweet Valley, you could easily do that. <laughs> wow. And last of all, would you rather eat at the Dairy Burger, which of course is where all the cool Sweet Valley teens hang out, or Steaks and Cakes... The fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle the movie that serves only steaks and cakes. Give me them steaks. Give me them cakes. I know. That sounds pretty good. This is actually tricky for me because you know, I, I don't eat steak. And I do want to support our, our sponsor, Steaks and Cakes. But it's like 100 degrees. I would totally love some ice cream that they do have at the Dairy Burger. Mm. Not available at Steaks and Cakes. Could I eat at the Dairy Burger but not be around all the cool kids? That's what I want to know. No, I think they're there all the time. Oh, man. Yeah, I, yeah. if you go to Dairy Burger, that's a great point. It's going to be full of Sweet Valley teens no matter what. Not Christians. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll eat at Steaks and Cakes, but then when I get home, I'm going to eat my own ice cream later. Okay. There you go. <laughs> that makes sense. It's a good compromise. All right. Well, that was a great round of Would You Rather, and now we'll move on to Reader's Advisory, where we will suggest things to read or television shows to watch uh, instead of or in addition to Sweet Valley High. So right off the... I mentioned this before. I definitely think uh, everyone should read Bad Feminist by Roxanne Gay, which includes her essay about Sweet Valley. And... I know that it's, you know, The Clique, it was a series that came out, um, started in the 90s, I think, actually, but was very comparable, rich teens getting into trouble, and obviously, you know, people would hang around, everybody was beautiful, and then you have Pretty Little Liars, too, which mm -hmm. I think kind of holds that same sort of base. Yeah, those are both ones that I previously were suggested as Rita likes for Gossip Girl and our Gossip Girl mm -hmm. episode. I would say this is all, I think Gossip Girl is like the granddaughter of Sweet Valley High. Yeah. <laughs> um, both the, the show and, and the books. And I, maybe it's just because they are more like actually recent, but 
I mean, I still think Gossip Girl is way more enjoyable to this. Like, I don't think anybody should just go out and pick up Sweet Valley High. I don't think there's any genuine enjoyment left to be gotten from it, except for maybe some sliver of nostalgia. But if you've never read them, like, don't start. But Gossip Girl, I do feel like if you're looking for, like, some kind of, like, light, trashy read, why not read Gossip Girl? That book was pretty fun. (laughs) I was going to suggest either and or, okay, so Heather's the movie or Heather's the musical. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Because it's very much rich teens, bitchy clicks, and then, like, somebody who's, like, kind of an outsider. And if you're going to be, like, these sociopathic teens, at least, you know, let's actually just murder them. Let's just straight up murder people. But I I watched Heather's again recently. And it's very, because obviously it's an 80s movie. It was made in the 80s. It's very 80s feel. It's very entrenched in that. Heather's the musical... Uh, is very true to that, but it's coming from a place of looking back at the 80s with n- uh, that nostalgia that we're kind of looking back on these books with. Mm-hmm. And also, like, tweaks the story in some ways that I think improves it a lot and kind of gives the whole thing a little more of a message. Uh, I find it very enjoyable. Nice. Um, I'll throw in Drop Dead Gorgeous, the movie about... I mean, it, in some ways, that's it's not... It doesn't have the, like, rich girl vibe as much, but it does have the satisfaction of of dead beauty queen teens, so. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to kind of go in, like, a sort of different bent where, you know, they have money and they have, you know, ties and all of that stuff, but, you know, there, there's no twins or anything. I don't think I remember, but I would say totally the craft. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Like, honestly, anything that we suggest as Rita, like, for Gossip Girl, just copy-paste that over here. It's (laughs) it's in the same family of products. Yes. All right. Well, we'll have those and some other stuff maybe up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. And we will now move into our candy pairing, where we'll share a, a candy to go along with this fine series. So I had two because I really couldn't decide. Um, Both are evil. Um, So my first choice was cotton candy because sugar and fluff and it's disgusting, but you still eat it anyway. And it seems like there is no matter how much you have of it, it really kind of all still disappears into, you know, nothing. It dissolves against the weight of reality. You know, there's nothing, there's very little that's real about this, just kind of like cotton candy, because, you know, you think you have this big, huge bag that you can take out of the circus or wherever else you get it. And it just, you know, you eat it and it's all gone and you feel like you haven't eaten anything. So, but my alternate was sugar daddies. I don't even know if these are still around, so I'll wave my cane to talk about these. Yeah, I think so. Like, probably like in like... Those mix bags. Right. They're, they're the little blocks of caramel on sticks, you know, and that sounds really, really great because I love caramel, but they always stuck to your molars and you could net, you literally had to pry them off your molars. So you really could either, you know, take a filling or a tooth out with them, which just kind of balances, you know, the sweetness and the pain of reading this book. Solid. Were they called sugar daddies? Because, like, you'd need one to pay for your dental work after? Yeah. <laughs> hey. That's totally true. 
I picked uh, Extreme Sour Warheads, which was like a solid 80s, 90s candy. And I don't think anyone enjoyed eating them ever. But you would either give them to your friends so you could laugh at your pain, which felt very Jessica. Because it's just they, they were not good to eat, but you just had to eat them. Or, you know, you could eat them yourself and just cry and be like, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Just cry at your pain. Um, mine is Mountain Dew, which is technically not a candy, but a soda, but whatever. Um, because this is something, like, when I was around the age I was reading these, like, my friend and I would get Mountain Dew from the vending machine in town and feel like, I don't know, it seemed, like, very cool and grown up to drink Mountain Dew. And I feel like now, A, Nobody's letting their children drink Mountain Dew, like, ever. Like, I feel like that's just not allowed anymore. <laughs> Much like most of the shit in this book is just, like, not allowed for children to do anymore. But also, it was something that I mistakenly thought was, like, very cool and grown up to drink Mountain Dew. <laughs> uh, just like I thought that high schools had sororities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, w- I will say that Mountain Dew got me through my high school years. It was basically the only way I stayed awake through the morning. So, you know good shout out to that (laughs) props to mountain dew for helping us all make it through (laughs) (laughs) all right um it's time now to play the rock paper snicked where in lieu of kate becca will tell us what dwayne the rock johnson would do if he were in this book and i'll say what wolverine would do if he were in this book and christy will choose which would most enhance the book or choose paper which is leave the book as is If The Rock were in this book, he would be the guidance counselor at Sweet Valley High, who would actually pay attention to these children's lives. And he would get these girls, and anyone else, the counseling and or medication that they so Mm -hmm. seem to need. Because I don't know how they're going to live to college or survive college after. Mm -hmm. Sounds legit. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he'd be hanging out at Kelly's Roadhouse when Rick Andover took Jessica there the first time. And, you know, he would obviously know they're teens and not old enough to be there. But at first, he's, like, not going to blow up their spot because he's Wolverine. But then he hears Jessica, like, wanting to leave and Rick not letting her. And he's not about that. So he would come over and punch Rick in the face and give Jessica a ride home on his motorcycle. Along with a low-key lecture about not hanging out with jerks and bars. But he doesn't call her Elizabeth, so there's never that whole misunderstanding at at school. And also, Wolverine punched Rick so hard that he got amnesia and forgot where the Wakefield and all the other hot girls of Sweet Valley live. So he never bothers them again. And also, the secret Enid is trying to keep is that she's a mutant and she leaves Sweet Valley to go attend Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. So I loved both of these because I can totally see The Rock as the guidance counselor at Sweet Valley High. Um, I'm hoping that the counseling and medication also goes for the readers. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone, absolutely anyone who needs it. (laughs) Anyone who needs it. But I mean, you know, taking on Rick Andover and also, you know, plus the secret Enid was trying to keep is that she was a mutant and go to she's going to go attend Xavier's school of gifted youngsters that is the best story in the world and you know that was probably what my dark secret in high school would have been <laughs> if she lived in a book so totally going with Wolverine this time 
And thank you for that. Uh, I do think we all need some therapy from The Rock for having read this book. So (laughs) hopefully we can still get that. Uh, And now, what do we think the moral of the story is? I think the moral of the story is Francine Pascal should have thought a bit more about what the phrase girl power means before embarking on this endeavor. Mine is youth are resilient, which I mean both for all the characters in this book and also for myself as a young reader. I, <laughs> I bounce back from these. <laughs> and I think that this book really showed that no matter how much money, how much good looks or how many cars you have, you know, high school can still have, you know, some severe problems for people. Actually, I don't think so. I think they had it real easy, and I hate them all for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's turn now to Duarte's corner and see what my cat Duarte has to say about all this. You know what, Duarte? I think... I think it's for the best that the Wakefields didn't have a pet because, you know, they always say, like, serial killers start with animals, and I just don't think Jessica can be trusted. And also, would any any animal actually ever be attractive enough to live up to their attractive family standards? True. Oh, n- she I... Would she, immediately. She immediately kill the cat. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Dorothy, you're very beautiful. Just calm down. Oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, Duarte. You're not that cute. <laughs> well, move on now. I, I just. <laughs> Duarte, thanks, thanks for your feedback. I'm so sorry I didn't bring you here to be insulted. <laughs> and now, now let's check in with Kate, who, as you'll recall, is taking some time off from the podcast to uh, wait outside the theater where Natasha, Pierre, and the Great Comet of 1812 is happening. Is is <laughs> is com- being put on? Uh, is c- cometing? <laughs> <laughs> That's where she's at. It's- she's waiting for her uh, Dave Malloy so she can comet him. <laughs> now I just feel like I'm like a smurf and I just want to replace every word with comet <laughs> anyway comet Kate hi guys still waiting out here until it's time to see Dave Malloy um, it's been pretty boring so far except this one day this skinny blonde teenager came by and asked if she could sit with me uh, which I said, you know, was fine. And then she went to get a coffee, but when she came back, she was acting real weird, like crazy and mean and verbally abusive and trying to get random dudes to catcall her. It was strange. But anyway, it turns out the second girl was actually the first girl's twin sister, which probably sort of explains why she kept saying she was a dirty, drug-addicted whore whenever I tried to address her by name. Kind of. Uh, anyway, it was weird. I guess they were Josh Groban fans. Uh, anyway, that's all I've got for you right now, and I'll check in again soon. Well, that sounds great. That's good. Yeah. Or maybe bad. Yep. (laughs) One of those. (laughs) Comment so much, Kate. (laughs) Comment, oh, comment. That sounds comment. Comment, comment. Comment on, comment on. Oh my god. Okay. Do any uh any other humans have any closing thoughts or any closing comments? 
I'm glad I didn't read these books and just watch the OC like a normal person. <laughs> Once I was like old enough to care <sighs> and parse that it was just ridiculous soap opera fiction. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll repeat it. I feel like these books suck and have terrible feminist and racist and ableist and everything messaging. But I think you can overcome it. Like, you can overcome whatever programming you get fed as a child if you go to liberal arts college and work at it. (laughs) And I totally think that this really shows that everything old is new again, because if we are taking one of its TV counterparts dynasty and it's being rebooted Mm. this next year, then we could very well see the twins come back. I mean, I think if Sweet Valley Confidential had been a better book, I think it absolutely could have launched that, but we might have to wait like another 10 years now. (laughs) All right. Um, I have a quick announcement for any Boston area listeners or anybody who wants to come to Boston. Uh, On June 20th, which is a Tuesday at 7 o'clock, we are having a special event at the Freepoint Hotel in Cambridge. Um, We'll be recording a live episode that it's not exactly going to be a standard episode where we pick a book and talk about it, but we are going to be in conversation with Meredith Goldstein of the Boston Globe to talk a little bit about our podcast in general and then play some of our podcast games. And it should just be, like, a pretty fun time, y'all. It's free, no ticket required, just rolling up to the Free Point Hotel. We'll have a link on our website. Please come. It'll be cool. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, If... Why well, I already gave away our website is worstbestsellers.com. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook where we're search for the worst bestsellers. You can follow us on Twitter where we're the worst bestseller. No, it's not the. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Twitter. I don't know what it is. Just find it. No, it's worst bestseller with no s at the end because we can't talk anymore because <laughs> it's part of sweet valley high right oh thank you yes that that's Just much better me. that's much better than me completely falling apart <laughs> <laughs> the s is for comet <laughs> <laughs> oh no let's wrap this up <laughs> yep uh we're on stitcher we're on itunes we're on google play rate and review us we're on patreon give us money do all that stuff Please. Uh, if you... <laughs> I'm returning a please in the give us money. <laughs> uh, yeah, please. That's nice. Uh, and, you know, you always say you use it to buy cat treats, but also they use it to pay me, who spends many hours editing these episodes, and I think that's more important than Dorothy's cat treats. <laughs> yeah, also his cat treats cost like $2. Um, and anyway, so please do all those things, and also thank you to everyone who has already done those things. And especially um, if you subscribe to our Patreon, one of the perks you can get is a shout-out on the podcast. And so today I'm going to give a shout-out to Doug Atkinson. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. And also, if you're listening, you should totally check out Doug's blog, which is called the Wobblebug blog. Um, if you especially are interested in like gaming and there's some like cool and kind of creepy miniature gaming miniatures they've painted if you want to look at those like Doug all of this is relevant to my interest and I'm going to your website right now yeah. so I'm going to say 
again, the Woggle Bug blog is amazing. Yes, we will have that link on our website. It's but it's wogglebugblog.wordpress.com. There's also I think this is some anime stuff. I don't know, Um, but just if you're a nerd, if you're a nerd, check it out. And if you're listening to this podcast, probably you are a nerd. So, hooray! We would hope you are at least. (laughs) Yes. Um, or maybe that's you're an Elizabeth, me. not a Jessica. Right. <laughs> if you're a Winston, if you're an Enid, <laughs> uh, all of those character types. If you're a Bruce Patman, maybe it's not your thing. No. <laughs> if you're a Bruce Patman, please uh, visit ruthless.com. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh if you would like to follow me personally on twitter you can do that at renata snacks if you'd like to follow me on twitter i am gin enthusiastic gin like the beverage it is locked but if i see that like you follow worst bestsellers or if you just send me a message i will add you no problem and you can follow me on twitter at books and yarn that is books n as the letter yarn yeah uh you should totally do that especially if you're a librarian get some sweet library info from christy uh if kate's not here but if you want to follow her she's at 14 across you can see all of her comet adventures (laughs) (laughs) all her tweets are just gonna be like comet 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 she's gonna be like why is everybody talking about comets (laughs) no she knows (laughs) she's she's the one started this. All right. Well, hashtag, I'm going to go gift hunting after this. Hashtag comet. My yeah. only concern is I said comet too many times and it starts to sound like comment with an N. And it's not that. It's comet. Comet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, I'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're continuing. Oh, you know what? We never even said we're doing Flashback Summer, which is the name of this programming. <laughs> uh, this is Flashback Summer. We're continuing to flashback. In two weeks, Becca will be back, and we will read Horse Shy from the Saddle Club series by Bonnie Bryant. So, giddy up. Yeehaw. <laughs> Comet. Write them cowboy. No, wait. There's no cowboys in this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Thank you to everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Comet. <laughs> <laughs> Comment. <laughs>